It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 187. Uh, this week we're going to Canada, Japan, China, Brunei, Australia, the UK, the US, Colombia, Northern Ireland. But of course, we have to begin with Ukraine. The invasion, the attack that Russia promised would never happen has now started. We are imposing martial law in all regions of our state. To say that anyone is willing to kill anyone is very difficult, but what I do know is that I'm prepared to go very far to defend my country. We're fighting, fighting for our future. Whoever tries to interfere with us, and even more so to create threats for our country, will lead you to such consequences that you have never experienced in your history. I've just been watching and seeing the uh, what now appears to be a full-scale Russian invasion, at least of eastern Ukraine, and also attacks on other parts of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin has in effect declared war on Ukraine in what the Kremlin has called a special military operation and has warned foreign nations to keep out of the way or endure consequences as they have never experienced. And as my good friend and colleague on my other podcast, uh, Greg Sheridan, has written in Today's Australian, the West has hit Vladimir Putin with a swarm of denunciations and a sanctions response that resembles being beaten with a wet lettuce. And he basically predicted today that this bodes very ill for Ukraine. As he says, the outlook is frankly dreadful. Um, Western reaction has been much furious rhetoric and not much action. It is just so sad. War in Europe. War in Europe. This is probably the biggest war in Europe since the Second World War. And do you know... There are so many different factors involved that the biggest threat to Russia has probably been the cancellation of the German, the Russian-German gas pipeline. But that's a bigger threat to Germany, where they're going to get their energy from. Rather foolishly, they decided to close their nuclear. They don't have their own gas or coal. So where are they going to get it from? Uh, it, it really is quite astonishing if, if, if they were to do that. And by the way, the pipeline hasn't been cancelled, it's just been put on hold for a while. Meanwhile, the Chinese have signed a deal to have another pipeline go from Russia to China. There are now the least troops on the Chinese-Mongolian border since 1922, and that's significant because it, is, it has allowed Putin to amass 200,000 troops for the invasion of Ukraine. Russia's got the materials, China has money and tech. Both are authoritarian. As I say, it's something that is profoundly depressing. By the time you get this, it will have moved on uh, again. And I just think again in terms of the Western response. I'm looking at a tweet. As I talk to you, I'm looking at a tweet from Joe Biden from his presidential campaign 
Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, that's worked out well. The weakness of the US and the reliance of Europe on the US for its defence means not only can Putin invade Ukraine, but also that China is now free to invade Taiwan when it wants to. Well, I visited Ukraine a number of years ago. I think it was in 2013. And uh, I actually wrote an article, which I'll put a link to. And this is a message from a friend in Kiev at the time. And there was a lot of trouble in Ukraine then. There was a lot of corruption. There was this threat from Russia even then. And this is what my friend wrote. This is where the church comes in. The church now has a big role to fill as the country slowly, hopefully, begins to calm down and clean up. Well, that's not happened. Just as people are most receptive to grace when broken, so goes for the country as well. Ukraine is broken now. We have hundreds dead. We've maybe a thousand wounded. And God forbid, but that may increase many times over now. We have a burned out center in place of our downtown. We have daily inflations. Ukraine is broken and needs renewal that comes as they seek the mercy and grace provided by Christ. Pray that the church will continue to fill this need. So I'm going to give you a piece of music that is a a Ukrainian song and it is absolutely beautiful. Again, you can get the link. I've also, I put it in my coffee with Job. I've tweeted it out as well. Uh, And basically the words are, in darkness, he alone, Christ alone, is my protection and peace. Well, Lord, please have mercy on your people in Ukraine. Let's go on to Canada and uh, again as I record I'm just seeing coming up a notice that President Trudeau has now revoked the Emergencies Act which he had put into place which we be thankful for. But here's a clip of him pointing out his admiration for the Chinese Communist Party. Their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. Now that's astonishing. There is a flexibility about having a dictatorship so that you can do whatever you want to do. Now, he would argue, of course, that he, he's not arguing for that. And yet, I think his actions have shown an authoritarianism that I would call it soft authoritarianism, which can be just as dangerous. We remembered last week the death of P.J. O'Rourke. Uh, he says this, At the core of liberalism is the spoiled child, Miserable as all spoiled children are, unsatisfied, demanding, ill-disciplined, despotic and useless, liberalism is a philosophy of snivelling brats. 
Now, again, I mean, it, it, it looks as though every podcast at the moment, I am trying to do another couple of specials, but we're, we're covering China, we're covering um, COVID and we're covering climate. And we're going to be covering, just let me say something about COVID because things again here are moving very, very, very rapidly. So that uh, in Perth, in Western Australia, for example, where they were going to keep themselves COVID free, we're almost up to a thousand cases a day. Um, the UK is dropping all restrictions. Scotland is going to drop them in three weeks' time. Why three weeks' time? Nobody knows, other than just to be different from England. But here's one that got me, even in terms of climate change and COVID as well. And I'm thinking about this, by the way, as I'm uh, going to go and get my uh, booster. It's funny, isn't it? You, you critique some things. You know, you can be against vaccine mandates without being against vaccines. I think people should have the right to determine what they do. But here's an, here's an interesting one. About 15,000 ghost flights have departed from the UK since the COVID pandemic began. This is from a report in The Guardian. A ghost flight is a flight that's less than 10% full. Now, bear in mind that flying is one of the most carbon-intensive activities. But the reasons these airlines are flying is they lose valuable takeoff and landing slots if they don't use them. Lufthansa alone said it would have to fly 18,000 unnecessary flights by March in order to keep its landing slots at airports. Yeah, we care about the environment, but we're making empty planes fly. We care about the environment and we're pouring millions of tons of plastic in terms of masks and so on. As for the climate, there was a report that came out that I do, I do want to tell you something. I thought just thought this was incredible. The growth, there's, you know, the coral reef, you know how it, it's Armageddon is coming and it's about to be destroyed, the imminent collapse of the, re, the relief, the reef rather. Well, the latest survey by the Australian Institute of Marine Science, and you won't hear this, by the way, because it's good news, and you don't get good news on this front. They don't like it because it doesn't fit the narrative. Guess what? Coral cover rose by 27% in the Northern Reef, and 26 and 39% were recorded in the central and southern areas of the reef, respectively. I think it was only two years ago that the BBC were saying there was going to be a 50% collapse. But I wonder why they're not reporting this. And then there's another fa fascinating thing. We've got this big thing in Australia just now about um, trying to get rid of coal. Not coal we export to China, but coal-fired stations that we use ourselves. And uh, some of the, a couple of the latest ones are trying to close them down much, much quicker. And that's particularly dangerous because coal is a very reliable source of energy. Now, I do believe that we have to transition away from it, but to do so in a responsible and reasonable manner. It's ironic that one of the multi-billionaires who's trying to buy the biggest energy company here and move it away from coal himself lives in a mansion and has his private helicopters and jets and everything else. Yeah, it's easy to be green when you can afford the bills. But there's another interesting guy. I, just, I was fascinated. Larry Fink, who is... Um, head of BlackRock. Now, I didn't know this. I was reading this article. It's just incredible. It's the world's biggest investment fund. It manages 10 trillion, not billion, 10 trillion dollars of assets. If BlackRock, BlackRock were a country, it would rank as the third largest behind the United States, which is 21 trillion, and China, 15 trillion. 
Now, why I'm mentioning Fink in this regard, he was one of these corporate people who's going to say, hey, we've got to, yes, we've got to save the planet. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. But now he's beginning to go, it won't happen overnight. We're going to have to change slowly. We're not going to limit uh, developing coal and fossil fuel assets. It, it, it's remarkable when reality bites home for these companies. And I do, but it, it's, let me just come back to this. Do you not think there's something wrong with a company that has $10 trillion of assets and the amount of unaccountable power that they have? Well, here's someone else. Let me play you this week's uh, national anthem, and I will be astounded. I know some of you will get it, but uh, I'll tell you why in a minute. But I'll be astounded if any others get it. Listen, listen to this. I think if you're from Malaysia, you'll get it because that's sung in Malay. It is not the Malaysian national anthem. It's the national anthem of Brunei. O Allah, we plead and cry to thee, our sultan and king, him a long life lease. Help him rule thy lands, disposition wise. Gates of glory and joy he shall boldly prize. Peace be on our land, peace be on our sultan. God save Brunei, our beloved abode of peace. Now, I read an article in the Indian Times, which is just wow. This man owns 500 Rolls Royces, including a gold-plated one. He owns 300 Ferraris. He has a fleet of private jets. He has um, several children with his, I think it's three wives. He was the world's richest man until 1980. Uh, all of this is coming from oil reserves and natural gas. His palace has more than 1,700 rooms, 257 bathrooms, five swimming pools. There are 110 garages and air-conditioned stables for 200 horses. He is Brunei's absolute monarch, but he's also the country's prime minister, finance minister, leader of the Islamic faith, foreign affairs and trades minister, superintendent of police, defense minister, and commander of the armed forces. So he's got all this power and he's got all this money. As uh, Hassan al-Bokaya got older, it's said that he spent $20,000 for a single haircut because he flies out his favourite barber from London, who works at the Dorchester in Mayfair, and the Sultan flies him first class at a cost of about $12,000. Now, why do I say all of that? There is something deeply and profoundly wrong in a world where there is that excess of wealth and there is still incredible poverty. I honestly believe that God is the God of the poor. And I know that Christians, some Christians like to say, well, when, you know, blessed are the poor, that's a, a spiritual thing. Well, it is and it isn't. There's an aspect of that that's true, but there's also an aspect of, I was speaking in a church. I, I had a, a strange weekend last weekend. So just before the weekend, I spoke at Shore School, which is one of the most elitist schools in Sydney. Now, I think I should, personally, I, I think I should hate it. I actually loved it, and I loved the boys, and I just thought it was great. Honestly, I did. But then on the Sunday, I was speaking in, in a place called Berkeley, and 
It's the very opposite end of the social spectrum. It's kind of council housing type thing and, you know, a lot of the issues. And I loved it and I loved them. And yet part of me sees the poverty that some people live in, even in rich countries like Australia. And Australia is really rich. And it's just, it seems just so wrong. Ain't got no house. Ain't got no car. Let me give you some other world news, just very briefly. Colombia, sadly, has in South America, has decriminalized abortion during the first 24 weeks of pregnancy. It's following rulings in Mexico and Argentina that did the same. Speaking of the injustice in the world, the co-owner of the Chrysler building has been ordered to pay his estranged wife, guess how much? Half a million dollars a month. Michael Fuchs, age 62, is worth around 1.2 billion, married Alvina Coloradio Fuchs in New York 10 years ago. And because of that, she's getting half a million dollars per month. Incredible. All right, uh, lots of people died this week, but the, uh, last week I think it was, but this man did. Do you recognize him? Strong support there. So there are the teams, as usual, everyone on his or her own for a starter question for 10 points and then a more valuable bonus, always 15 to be discussed within the team. So let's go straight into the game. Here's your first starter for 10. Give me the popular name of the seeds of the Mexican euphorbiaceous shrubs of the genus Sebastiania, which are infested by a small... That is, of course, Bamber Gascoigne, starter for 10, University Challenge. Some of us will remember that very well, but he was a he was a very clever man. I mean, fingers on buzzers, you start for ten, and you know that's what it was th over thirty years ago. He retired as the quiz master on University Challenge. He held it between nineteen sixty two, the year I was born, uh, to nineteen eighty seven. He was an aristocrat. He was a, a I I I just I really really liked him, and I tell you this his series on the Christians, his book on the Christians, but he did a series for Granada TV on the Christians, which I thought was, in general, excellent. And speaking of Christians, let's go to Northern Ireland. In a sometimes colourless Stormont chamber, Christopher Stalford was one of its biggest characters. Involved in politics from his teens, he became an MLA for South Belfast in 2016, watched by his wife Laura. He went on to become Stormont's principal deputy speaker, ably controlling a chamber in which he was often one of the fiercest debaters. Today his former DUP colleagues stopped to pray before joining tributes led by a political rival who many say Christopher Stolford was destined to someday follow as assembly speaker. As others have rightly said, Christopher could disagree without being disagreeable. 
What followed was a remarkable show of unity in a place more often marked by division. I wish to thank all of the parties for their kind words and moving tributes over the weekend. It was a mark of the man that he had friends in all sides of this chamber. It is hard to to imagine these benches and this party without Christopher. His wit, humour and grace encouraged many of us through darkest times. I will be forever grateful for having the honour of calling Christopher my friend. Some of the most moving... That is um, the Parliament remembering the death of Christopher Stalford, a DUP MP who is a father of four, I believe, and he had a, a shock death. And, you know, why am I reporting that here? Well, we pray for his family and... You know, we're always concerned and we've got a lot of Northern Irish listeners and, you know, I love Northern Ireland. And it's just another shock to the system with all of that happening. But it was also something else that occurred. Uh, Another DUMP, Carla Lockhart, put out a tweet that said this, absolutely devastating news. My thoughts and prayers are with Laura and his wee family. A colleague and friend, a faithful servant, at home with Christ, which is far better. Now, Mr. Stalford was a Christian, a practising Christian. His family are greatly comforted by that. But there was a pile-on on Twitter. One man said, for example, I'm sure you meant well, but that last line is at best misjudged and at worst is offensive to his family who would rather he was with them. Well, how dare you say what's going to be offensive? I know so many times. I'm, I'm, I know there's someone just now I know who's dying and, and it is to her, it is the greatest comfort that she's going to be with Christ and to her family. What arrogance and cruelty exists in so many people. Now, I have to say, well done to the Alliance leader, Naomi Long, who said, stop attacking Carla Locker over her tweet, today of all days, she is grieving. And Ms. Long said, she's quoting Philippians 1.23 about the faithful being torn between service in this life and being with Christ in eternity. It's a very common Christian quote, which his family will understand. The SDLP leader, Colm Eastwood, said the criticism was disgusting and say it shows how Twitter can be so poisonous. I, I I agree with them both. And Miss Lockhart went further. She said, Christopher's faith, shared by Laura, his beloved wife, offers that promise of eternal life and glory when the Lord calls us home. Amen and amen. Okay, uh, let's just have a bit of this. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now, will you still be sent? Now, I don't really have a lot to say about this. Just, just I came across a, a Japanese word, rukai, I think is how you say it. And it's a specific word that means the harm inflicted on a country by its older people. Imagine a word existing for that. And I think, you know, with the euthanasia, with a whole bunch of other stuff, that 
I, I, as we move away from Christianity, we're moving away from humanity. And I think not just in Japan, but in other countries, those who are older will often be seen as a burden and as inflicting harm. Incredible. And then, have a wee listen to this before we go. Taichu 有一个人, that is the Chinese Bible, uh, John chapter 1, and really sad news from China that audio Bibles are being confiscated. Uh, online Christian bookstores are struggling within China, and uh, persecution is increasing, I'm afraid. The Bible is being not made not just illegal in print, but in other ways as well. Oh, I don't want to go just yet either. Listen to this from Jordan Peterson. Why would God allow evil into the world? I think, well, maybe God didn't allow evil into the world. Maybe God allowed the possibility of evil into the world. That's different. And maybe the world with the possibility of evil is actually a better world than the world without the possibility of evil. Maybe a man is better when he's a dangerous man who's being good than he would be if he was just a good man who wasn't capable of being dangerous. And I believe that because the best men that I've ever met are very dangerous men. You don't mess with them. He's getting there. He's getting close. Why would God allow evil? Did God create a perfect world and then get it wrong? Or did God create a perfect world which he allowed to go wrong? Augustine, I love this, says, God created all things. Evil is not a created thing. It's the absence of good. God did not create evil, but permits it for the good. I was talking to the boys at shore I mentioned earlier about this. And then this great quote from Augustine, which I really must send to Jordan. And in the universe, even that which is called evil... When it is regulated and put in its own place, only enhances our admiration of the good. For we enjoy and value the good more when we compare it with the evil. For the Almighty God, who has even the heathen acknowledged, has supreme power over all things, being himself supremely good, would never permit the existence of anything evil among his works if he were not so omnipotent, that is all-powerful, and good, that he can bring good even out of evil. Well, as I'm as we're watching, as we're hearing of the evil being inflicted in Ukraine and in other places. Lord, bring good out of evil. God bless you all. If you like to support this, then just go to the Podbean fundraiser. If you've got comments, suggestions, complaints, anything, just contact me uh, through the email, theweefly at gmail.com. I'm going to leave you with this a, a great song. With this song, it's from Norma Waterson, who's died aged 82. She was a, is a British folk singer in English. Um, she sang a lot of traditional songs, many from her native East Yorkshire. She was in the Waterstones and Waterston Car- Carthy. I, I just, she's just such a brilliant, she's such a hardworking artist. She's died, I think she would have been just in her 80s. And, you know, not many people, not many of the obituaries mention this. I don't know if she was a Christian. But I do know this. I know that um, this song is brilliant. Remember, glory is the end. Our God will wipe our tears away. 
and far beyond this mortal shore we'll meet with those who've gone before and shout to think we have gained the day by marching in the good old way. It's just a good old UK folk gospel song. Absolutely brilliant. And we began, I guess, in such a depressing way. And yet, isn't this such a glorious thing? Lift up your Emmanuel's friends and taste the pleasure Jesus sent. Let nothing cause you to delay, but hasten in the good old way. For I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. For I know I have, feel I have a sweet hope and glory in my song. Our conflicts here the great they may shall not prevent our victory if we but strive and watch and pray like soldiers in the good old way. For I have a sweet hope and glory in this life. I have a sweet hope and glory in this life. For I know I am and I feel I have a sweet hope of glory in my soul. Though Satan may his powers employ our happiness for to destroy, yet never fear we'll gain the day by marching in the good old way. For I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. For I know I have, and I feel I have a sweet hope and glory in my soul. Ye valiant souls forever remember glory our God will wipe our tears away when we have run on the good old way. For I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. I have a sweet hope and glory in this song. For I know I am and I feel I have a sweet hope and glory in my Sure will meet with those who have gone before and shout to think we'll gain the day by marching in the good old way. For I have a sweet hope and glory in the song. I have a sweet hope and glory in the song. For I know I am and I feel I am. A sweet 